When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is August 22nd, and this is the Bruins Beat, presented by FanDuel on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week, and a great rest of the end of summer. Uh, on this episode, Connor Ryan and I dive into the latest uh, Bruins signing because they did sign someone on uh, Monday morning. And then the big, the crux of this episode is uh, the Athletic Corey Pronman of the Athletic uh, put out or is in the process of putting out his prospect rankings and. The Bruins for the second straight year are in last. They are in last place, 32nd ranked prospect pool. So we dive into uh, Pronman's rankings and what he thinks of the prospect pool. Cause I, I find it really interesting to get a national perspective. Uh, Corey Pronman is a respected uh, sort of prospect analyst. He sees a lot throughout the year. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting to get that national perspective of you know, how good is Mason Lowry in comparison to other prospects uh, of his stature with other teams or and same with Fabian Lysel. And, and we also get into what it means, uh, this low prospect rankings. How do the Bruins get out of this? How do you suddenly uh, have your prospect pool have more promising players? So uh, we get into that. It's kind of a big episode for that. It's a, it's, we, we dove into that pretty deep. Uh, so I will not keep you waiting any longer without further ado. Here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan, who's presented by our good friends over at FanDuel. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. I want to update you on something, Connor. Uh, it's probably like a month and a half ago now, maybe two months ago, uh, you made some headlines for spoiling the end of breaking bad for me. <clears throat> I didn't spoil it. It's been, it's been over. It's been over for a decade. Evan. This is true. We, we did. And I was, you know, you, you thoroughly won that, uh, that, that battle on Twitter. I will give you that. And it's true. It's 10 years old, you know, what was me? Um, but for people who don't know this, when I watch shows, the first couple seasons, it takes me a while to get through them. You know, you need a little runway, you know, you're not, 
hooked immediately. There's not a lot of shows that hook you in immediately. And Breaking Bad, as good as that first season uh, is and was, um, you know, you just slow get into it. You know, the first episode's great, and then it's just, you know, whatever. But I'm on the uh, the home stretch. I've made it to, I'm like almost midway through season five. And uh, the last like week and a half, I have spent every like free moment I have just grinding out episodes because I'm like, oh, my God, this this show is incredible. So uh, I am fully in. There's been a lot of things you didn't spoil, thankfully. So uh, I am very much enjoying it. Uh, do you have any recommendations for when I finish what I should watch next? I know Better Call Saul is the obvious one, but do you have any other recommendations? I mean, that was going to be my <clears> pick, <throat> uh, which is also like Breaking Bad. It starts off a little slow. Got to set up like the, the new set of cats characters but then like the last two three seasons of it are just like it's like if breaking bad was a video game like credit cost all is like great dlc where you're like this is it's just an extension of it it's awesome so uh better cost all is right up there otherwise i don't know if you watch true detective season one only season one don't don't watch don't watch don't watch the rest of that shenanigans but the first season with mcconaughey and harrelson might be the, the best one season arc of a show ever. Love that. Interesting. Show, so. Okay. I will um I will take that into consideration. I like that. Uh I was thinking Better Call Saul would be a good one. Um I have to finish Ozark still. That's one that I have yet to uh I didn't watch the latest season, so I gotta do that. Um so we'll see. We'll see. I also have never watched The Sopranos. So I mean, that one should probably be on your list as well, Evan. I won't spoil that one, but... Yeah, please don't. Please don't. But um, I, I, I should have that um, on my list. Anyways, uh, Bruins, our listeners are like, what, what the hell are they talking? Get, get Listen, to the Bruins guys, we're, stuff. We're, we're scratching the bottom of the barrel here. We're trying our best. We're trying our best. We we uh, we want to talk to you every week. Um, some news did come out Monday morning. Bruins signed Alex Chase on to a PTO, 32 years old, played 20 games with Detroit last season, six goals, three assists, uh, over 200 career points. So, you know, he was a he's a guy who's been a contributor his whole career. Again, not a, a game-breaking player, but someone that, you know, depth piece. Uh, this is kind of an interesting ad, feels like, to, you know, add some internal competition to that bottom six. Yeah, and I'll, most importantly, for a BU guy. Oh, that's BU right. Guy. He is a um, BU guy. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Bruins, right, uh, this is a team that always preaches uh, internal competition, fighting for spots. And is he like a favorite to to make the team or to establish himself in a, a bottom six role? No, but when you look at what he brings, he's a, I think he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, uh, has a lot of, uh, you know, uh, reps as a net front guy on a power play in the NHL level. Um, if he can either push guys in those spots like a, a Van Reamsdyke, or if it's in the third or fourth line, slotting in on that right side um, as a natural, you know, right shot player, uh, it just adds the, to the competition there. Because otherwise, you're going to have either a bunch of younger players who may be playing off wing or playing in different spots, or you're looking at, um, you know, guys like Lysel or what have you that, again, could be in the mix. But again, you don't really want to push these guys if they're not ready yet. I think Bruins would love if a guy like Lysel or if a guy like, uh, um, John Farinacci, any of these other guys are great out of camp, but take it easy, right? Like as much as you want some of these guys to pop, you shouldn't really force their timeline if they're not ready yet. So at the very least, it kind of covers your, it's kind of the same with, you know, signing a guy like Boquist or one of those guys, like, are they the favorite? Are they going to play 82 games? No, but as you're trying to kind of sort out what exactly this roster is, especially in that bottom six, we have no shortage of options. 
doesn't hurt, right? Like, again, eventually, you know, cream rises to the top if you're looking at any of these players that have either been established in the NHL, younger player. You're going to see what happens during training camp and preseason and see kind of where those kind of uh, chips fall. So for a guy like Chason, it doesn't hurt to take a flyer on a guy like that, especially if, uh, you know, he can slot in there on the third or fourth line in a spot and see where exactly he figures into it. If not, you have a very good veteran guy to put in down in Providence, so. Feels like this is your next Lee Stepniak. It's going to be the the guy that Petrov McGuire constantly is like, oh, Bruins uh, sign Alex Chase on to a PTO. Uh, it feels like Don Sweeney is sort of creating this, uh, you know, you have a lot of younger options for that bottom six, but you also have a lot of veteran options for the bottom six. Van Riemsdyk and Brown and Boquist and now Chase on and Lucic. And like, you sort of have a best of both worlds. It comes down to, can you find the the mix? Can you put the mix together where uh, you have guys from both sides, uh, your younger guys and your veteran guys you brought in uh, that can sort of uh, make an effective bottom six? The other thing is you don't want to hinder the development of these younger guys. You don't want Mark McLaughlin to be stuffed down in the AHL for another season if he's NHL ready, just to let Alex Chase on play up another BC. Right. Another ri- another chapter to the BCBU rivalry, if that's the case. Um, but you don't want, you know, Lucic or Patrick Brown taking minutes from a guy like Beecher if Beecher's ready. And I think that's one of the sort of the tightrope walking they're going to have to do this year. And, and again, we'll get a better idea of that from camp of, you know, are these guys ready yet uh, for the NHL? Feels like Sweeney maybe is, think- is sort of putting insurance in place in the case that, you know, Alauko isn't ready to play full-time minutes or um, Merkulov. I mean, feels like it's safe, but I, there's a part of me that's also like, you know, you want to have routes up for the younger guys. Yeah, it's, you're kind of covering all your bases, but yeah, the, the worst case, I don't know if worst case scenario is the way to map it out, but the last thing you want to do is have a situation where guys are, uh, you know, knocking on the door in terms of getting NHL reps, and you're still kind of pivoting towards these more veteran guys, right? Like, I think you look at last training camp, we, we all kind of forget the biggest uproar going into the regular season before they went on this record-setting run was Mark McLaughlin not making the team, right? Like, everyone's like, he was he was great. I mean, he was probably the most consistent player throughout uh, those preseason games where he got into the lineup um, and didn't really have much to show for it in terms of uh, reps up at the NHL level. And again, you you involve waivers, all these other things that kind of play into it as well, obviously. But you hope that once you get through a long training camp, a long preseason, if two or three of these younger players look like they're ready or have shown enough, that you don't, you know, just take the cautious route there. Uh, if there's a time to do it, it's now, right? Like, it's not only you look at next year where you're all of a sudden you could have a lot more talent added to this team through, uh, you know, the cap flexibility you have. Now is the time to figure out what you have. I think that's what we've always kind of talked about with this season. The very least, I think Bruins fans can and should get clarity in terms of how guys do in elevated roles, how guys do with, uh, you know, younger players, what you have in the farm system, whether guys can step up. You should be able to find, you know, have some definitive answers this year when it comes to things like that. And, you know, giving young players, if they show it, um, you know, those reps and rewarding them out of, uh, out of training camp, out of the preseason – should be a step in the right direction. So again, these guys aren't ready and Chayasan plays well, go for it. But again, right. I think it's all good. I, I think it all has to fall on uh, what these younger players can show. And if they look like they're ready, go for it. 
It goes back to what we talked about on, I think it was Poke the Bear last week, where we were talking about, uh, you know, Frederick or Van Riemsdyk in the top six. And try it with Frederick. Like, this is a season, this is sort of a playground of a season. Try it. You know, see what you have in a guy like Frederick in the top six. Uh, I feel the same about, again, if, if in my eyes, if a guy like Mark McLaughlin and Patrick Brown are equal coming out of camp, I want to see what McLaughlin has. I want to see that tried out on the fourth line or if you feel he's ready for the third line or something like that, right? Like, I want to see the younger players this season. I want to see them sort of how are they developing. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com Boston. Boston, 21 plus and present in mass. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now... Back to the show. And that's a perfect transition into my next topic, which may, which might not be great supporting for the argument that I was just making. Uh, but it's our podcast, so we can we can bounce around a little bit. We're 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 unbiased, you know. We're all about we're all about trying our best to get it right. Uh and I was reading uh, the athletic the other day, uh yesterday, a Sunday, and uh Corey Pronman, who's a very respected uh, analyst for The Athletic, he's around a lot, you know, good national perspective on um, on kind of prospects as a whole. Obviously, you and I see the Bruins prospects uh, a fair amount during the season, um, but we don't see a lot of the other prospects around the league. So it's hard to kind of give that perspective. So someone like Pronman can do it. Uh, and the Bruins ranked, get ready for it, number 32. In NHL pipeline rankings for the second year in a row, number 32, dead last, uh, second year in a row that that's been the case. Um, and again, you know, not a surprise. We're not sitting here like, what? They should be like number five, you know, like right. they cl- clearly are uh, near the bottom and, and you know, in Pronman's eyes, the bottom. Um, but the real interesting part, this time last year, uh, if memory serves, and I can look at uh, what he ranked uh, prospects last year, he had Fabian Lysel number one, and he had Beecher number two, and he had Lowry three. This year, Lowry's moved up to number one. So Mason Lowry, and I think we can agree on this, and that was the feeling coming out of Dev Camp, uh, and 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 Lowry being sort of the little more ready. Um, but there's some interesting things because Lowry, like we liked his skating uh, as a big defenseman among you know the guys there. And, and Pronman has the skating as poor. And, um, you know, he says he'll see time in the NHL lineup. Uh, his skating is heavy, though, and wh- whether he can make stops or play at NHL pace will make his, will be his best test as a pro. Uh, I'll ask you this. Um, I think Lowry is going to be a very solid NHL defenseman, but are we overrating him? Do you think we're sort of 
not the Stanika effect, but you know, are we just kind of, I don't know. Are we overrating him? I don't think we're overrating him. I think he's a guy that it's tough to have a definitive, you know, look at what, like, let's say like Lysel, right. We think that he could be a guy that could be a middle six guy that can get you 20 goals. Maybe he's a tier above that. If he all goes well and becomes a 30 goal scorer, but I think we know where he could kind of slot into this lineup. If he kind of continues to take those next steps forward. Laura, I think has a a wide variance, right? Like I think he's an NHL player. Uh, I think like we've mentioned before that, his floor kind of reminds me of maybe like a third pairing power play specialist kind of you shelter him a little bit more, but still has a role in the team can be useful there as he just kind of work on his skating, you know, adding muscle kind of, again, he's a guy that only recently switched to defenseman, right? Like he's still yeah. kind of learning the ropes, very talented, but still, there's still some of that, uh, I didn't even say rust, just like learning the ropes of the position that at the game's highest level, pretty tough. Uh, but <laughs> crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, you look at his floor, if he's a guy like that, there's value there. If he's your third pairing power play specialist, but you know, if all goes well, what is he? Is he like Don Carlson? That's the guy that always like sticks out to me. He's like six, four can skate uh really good playmaker. Like he's gonna, he's kind of one of those guys that has this wide swath as to where he kind of falls into it. And if he falls in the middle somewhere and he's your second pair guy that, and give you 35, 40 points and it can hold his own. That's great, right? It's, it's it. one of those ones where, and I think that unique skill set is also why he's rated so highly because there's not that many guys who are 6'4 that could be a power play QB and can, uh, you know, play in a, a variety of situations like that. But if you can, can you just take steps forward? Like you see the, the potential there. And so far, there hasn't been, you know, like, uh, stops along the way where you're like, oh, something, you know, it's not like, you know, like, let's say like Lysel, he shows flashes, but goes up to Providence. There's lulls where it's a guard. He has to work on elevated competition. Again, we'll see how Lorey does over a full season in Providence, but let's see kind of how we, he adjusts to that. Because if we continue to kind of take steps forward, you got something special there. And if it, you know, takes him longer and he does hit lulls, it's, what, it's as, as expected for some of these younger players in those roles. So um, is he overrated? I don't think so because I think that skill set is so unique. But I also think you have to, you know, keep tabs on you know what exactly you're envisioning out of him. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's a guy that's going to be an eighty point defenseman or what have you. But he is very looks like a, a solid NHL defenseman who can carve out a pretty established role on I think a lot of NHL rosters. Yeah, I don't think he's overrated. I also think he's a late bloomer. Uh, if you go back and look, I don't, I. I don't think he made the Holinka Gretzky team his 17 season. And like there was a lot, there's, there's been slights along the way and he's, you know, moved his way up. And, um, you know, I know that when he was getting recruited, he was, I don't think he was, you know, one of the top guys getting recruited or anything like that. So, uh, I mean, he's, he's paved his own way again. He's, as he's been a defenseman for not very long. Um, so again, I think there is uh, a lot more to give for him. I am, extremely curious how a full season in Providence goes uh, this year. That's why I think it'd be good for him to be in Providence for a full year. I don't think there's any rush to get him yeah. up to the NHL level. Um, so Lysel comes in at two um, Pronman, you know, is, you know, good skill, whatever he says, he's a good, but not elite passer who is more direct to the net than a true playmaker. Lysel's consistency and compete consistency and compete are just okay. I find he takes some nights off and some nights he's very dialed and dangerous and plays on the inside. So again, 
interesting case here with Lysel because that was sort of some of the things out of Providence this year. You know, he admit he got some burnout and um, there were definitely nights he was on. There was nights he was off. We saw that at dev camp, you know, play away from the puck was definitely not as good as as he was with the puck. And, um, you know, again, that's one of those guys that I feel like a lot of players who don't have his skill set are almost angry at because it's like, dude, if you just were if you just found a way to be dialed in all the time, you'd be you'd be nasty. Um, I I still think, as you said, he's a middle six guy or, or, you know, hopefully potentially, you know, a guy who can contribute somewhere, you know, maybe a top line you know, scoring right wing. Um, but this feels like a guy whose uh, whose value is has lowered over the past year. And that scares me a little because that was sort of your big trade chip. If you needed to, if you needed to absolutely make a big deal at the deadline, he was going to get you something in return. I still think he does. And again, I'm not advocating to trade him, but it does worry me when that the, the value starts to go down a little bit. And uh, yeah. I'm curious to see how that plays out this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those guys that you look at what the kind of concerns are. You hope that something that just with age, reps uh, in pro hockey, maturity, all those things, that stuff like the, you know, the inconsistent, you know, effort or what have you, or the defensive capabilities, those things just get ironed out over time. You hope that's the case, right? Because, again, the skill set's there. The skating, when he's on it's noticeable, right? He looks like there's shifts he saw during dev camp. Like this guy looks like a top six winger uh, in terms of just how impactful he is not afraid to like the one thing that kind of sticks out to me that I think is always a positive is with that skill set. He's not afraid to take it to the net. Again, doesn't always work out because he's still just getting like sandwiched when he goes down there. Like <laughs> yes. he has to be careful with that, but there are skill sets and ways he attacks the net that are really promising for a player with his uh, ability. It's just, having it be consistent, uh, you know, learning from, you know, the pros in, in the game now, uh, just not being too up and down. And I think it's different between, you know, the production being up and down or, or what have you. Like, I even look at, like, you know, a winger like Jake DeBrusco, he was known for having these lulls of, you know, five goals in seven games and zero goals in ten. But you at least still saw him doing, like, driving to the net, doing those things. I don't think he was ever, like, no-showing a lot of these games. Lysel, you can see times where he's just not engaged enough in, in the game. You just hope those things get ironed out because, again, as you said, whether it's him taking a step forward and pushing for a roster spot this year or, um, you know, a situation where if you have to move players and he's a, a useful trade chip, he's a guy that's right in that mix there. So uh, we'll see how it kind of plays out. Yeah, the compete worries me a little. That's a very hard thing to kind of just turn on. Um, you can get motivated and you can you can watch all the David Goggins videos you'd like and the and the you can watch Herb Brooks's miracle speech a zillion times and all those things, but the compete does worry me a little. Um, just because it's hard to teach compete, it's hard to kind of get that in someone. I still think he's great. I still think he's gonna see a lot of time at the NHL level. He's gonna be give he's definitely gonna be given every chance in the next two years to pop. <laughs> to to find his to find his role um i'm sort of curious what what happens there a uh, beecher is the number three he only ranked three um beecher you know again above average above nhl average skating below nhl average puck skills below nhl average hockey sense nhl average uh in compete what does that sound like that sounds like a very good third or fourth line player uh and there's nothing wrong with that there there is nothing wrong with uh with that being the case and i think um you know that's that's fine if beecher we've said this for what three years now if you can get beecher to be a consistent three or four c 
good. You've got something there. And I think that's that's good to show for it. Again, is it the the top line center that you need? No. But I think if, if he can give you that, um, I think that there's uh that there's there's nothing wrong with that. So um Beecher at number three isn't bad. Some of the other ones he says, you know, has a chance to play Frederick Brunet, Andre Gasso, Brett Harrison, Beckett Hendrickson, uh Dan's Lock Mellis, UMass guy, uh Georgie Merkulov he has as uh yeah, surprised he's not. Not ranked. That was that was one of the ones that I was sort of shocked. Uh, why you wouldn't make it five and add Merkulov and Poitras to it? I feel like those yeah. are you would add both of those guys. Um, but uh, with Merkulov, he says he's not that big or fast, so whether he can uh, be more than a great NH more than a great AHL scorer is up for question. I still think that offensive sense is is high, and I think that the way he plays, there's something to be said for that transiting NHL level, but. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. Poitras is an 04, so that's you know a while away. Um, but I think this my biggest takeaway from this, and I guess you know, last year was different because last year at Bergeron and Krejci coming back, you had a very we were all on the train of this is gonna be a very good team. This is not gonna be a a, a loser, this is gonna be a good winning team. Um, and it was during the regular season, not so much in the postseason. Um, this year's a different outlook. Uh, you don't have those two anymore in Bergeron and Krejci. Uh, you seem to be in transition, even though you have sort of a good, solid core in place going forward. You need pieces around that. Um, my biggest takeaway, you need to find a way to get back into the first or second round. You have to do it. You have to. And I, I again, I don't, I don't, we've discussed this. I don't exactly know how you break back in. You know, if DeBrusque negotiations go south during the season, maybe that's a guy you deal at the deadline if the situation calls for it. You don't do that if you're competing for the playoffs. That would be stupid. But you got to find a way back in because, uh, you know, as you know, we talk about the core, right? Pasternak, McAvoy, Swayman, um, Coyle, Zaka, Carlo. That's all well and good. But if you have, you know, two or three more years of not drafting a lot, your draft picks not hitting, you're going to struggle. Because the pieces around your core need to be enhanced. And I just think that you need to find a way to get draft picks because, you know, when the retool happened in, uh, you know, the, you know, 14, 15, 16 range. Uh, now, again, they missed on those 15 picks, but you also had, you know, guys like Carlo and DeBrusque has been a valuable member and things like that. So I think you have, I don't know. I think you kind of have to find a way to draft more guys, which is obvious, but that requires you to make some trades, right? Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the only kind of avenue you have. You can't just keep on trying to find third or fourth round guys and hopefully they hit. Right. And again, you found, you found talent there, but in terms of guys that have that higher upside, even look at a guy like Potra, who is a, like a second round guy. Like if you see that skill set translate at least so far, how he's been in the system, um, you need to go for a first round pick somewhere along the lines. And again, it's, the price of doing business of being a team trying to contend and trying to always go for it. And I'm not going to fault them for that because you look at the rushes they've had uh, made plenty of sense, but sooner or later, whether it's, you know, this year or in the coming years, you got to find ways to replenish that, that draft talent. Like you can sign as many college trades as you want. You can luck out having some guys uh, hit and, and do that, but sooner or later you, you have to at least just start drafting more and more, right? You can kind of buoy your system a little bit by having uh, a guy from college, you know, stand out and, and hold their own. But in terms of, you know, proven first round talent, 
It's hard to find that. You got to have a log. You know, it's not like Blake Wheeler going fifth overall in the Bruins just happened to being able to sign him after he doesn't want to sign with Arizona, which again, kind of a similar situation now, I guess, with Fernandez. But uh, that's still Whoa, where, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. There it is. Fernandez the next Blake Wheeler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but. Yeah, if if you're looking at replenishing it, yeah, the, the number one thing has to be getting just more first round capital. Again, where does that come from? It has to be situational. I don't think if the Bruins are playing well, you sell off guys now, but you have to be selective in terms of when exactly you can do that because um, whether it's at the deadline, if things aren't going right or, or what have you, um, you have to find ways just to uh, spur kind of that development growth there because you're still just lacking in terms of proven top six talent or, or top four talent uh, across your kind of organization right now, at least. Yeah. And again, we're not saying to tank, like there are so many examples around the league of teams with a bunch of first round picks and it not working out. Like I'm not saying that, but you do need to infuse some high end talent into your prospect pool. Um, and because and the other, and the other thing is like, you know, you look back to like, again, this is a different time, but Oh, six, right? When they signed Chara and Savard uh, in free agency. A lot of guys at that caliber don't hit free agency anymore, right? Like Matthews is slated to be a free agent uh, next offseason. Is he? Probably not. Like I would assume Toronto would want to get that done. Um, You know, Elias Lindholm, right? Supposed to be a free agent next offseason. Will he get there? We'll see. You know, that's up in the air. But again, like Hurdle didn't get there and he was on a bad team. Like it's very rare now for, you know, high-end players to get to free agency. Um, unless I'm missing someone, I feel like Tavares was the last one. Like, where there was like a pursuit. It's got to be it. In terms of like, a, yeah, people, multiple teams involved. I'm trying to think of one recently, but. There hasn't been. Unless like, unless like Goudreau, right? Like that's uh, that was it, one. But... Goudreau would be one. That would be legit. So Goudreau and Tavares, and that's the last, what, five, six years? Yeah. So. I, free agency is not a likely route for something like that. Uh, if you luck out, great. Like, I'm not saying don't, but, you know. And then, you know, the college free agency route is great for sort of depth players. And, you know, sometimes you luck out and get a Tory Krug. But I don't know. I just think at some point you have to get back to making first-round picks. And by the way, you want to trade a first for a guy like Hampus Lindholm, who you're going to lock up long-term and he's going to be a stalwart on the back end. And fine. Like, that's okay. Or you want to trade for a proven number one center. Okay. I can get on board with that, but um, you have to, you know, your first round picks for the next two years are gone. So you have to find a way to kind of get back in there. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out this season. Um, and just how much the prospect pool gets, uh, gets replenished. They'll have to make a call to Heim Bloom. Let's call Heim Bloom and see if he can, he can work his magic on the prospect system uh, with the Bruins. Anyways, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at boston.com and the Boston globe? Yeah, we're going to be covered throughout these final weeks of the offseason, looking now at lineup projections, younger players, all that good stuff over on the website. Um, we have you covered on everything happening in Boston sports. So it's Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics, all that good stuff. All that will be over at boston.com. So please read our stuff over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. We're presented by our good friends over at FanDuel. That's Bruins Beat and you Bruins Beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week.